Man, you're getting killed out there. <sighs> Tell me about it. I feel like Rocky after 15 rounds with Apollo Creed. Speaking of Rocky, did you know that Sylvester Stallone wrote the first draft of the movie in only three days? Did you know that Sylvester Stallone permanently flattened out his knuckles from punching the side of beef? What about Burgess Meredith? He had lived his line in the audition, which landed him the role of Mickey. Or that a destitute Sylvester Stallone turned down $350,000 because the studio didn't want him starring in it? Well, you can find this out and much, much more by listening to Rocky Minute, the fan podcast that covers the Rocky movies one minute at a time. You can find us on DuelingGenre.com. Now get back out there and knock this bum out. Dueling Genre. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joseph Dorowski, and this week I'm joined by Brandon Ushio to talk about the Justice League from Comfort and Joy, the 23rd episode of the second season of the animated Justice League series. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me back. Now, you're a returning all-star guest. Uh, all-star? Is that what I, do I get, get like a jersey? Uh, I'll have to check the coffers um, <laughs> on, on that one. Uh, and you also host your own podcast. That is correct. The fandom podcast over at fandompodcast.com. I've always maintained you have one of the best podcast voices I've ever heard, Brandon. <laughs> well, thank you. So, uh, comfort and joy is an episode of the animated justice league series that was written by Paul Dini and directed by Butch Lukic. I'm assuming that is how that is pronounced. It is L U K I C. Sorry if I got that wrong. And this episode originally aired on December 13th, 2003. And it tells, um, kind of through a series of vignettes, uh, the different adventures of various members of the justice league on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. So Brandon, how did you first come to, either the Justice League animated series or this particular episode of that series. So this uh, Justice League and this episode came out at a time that I wasn't really watching television. I was, I was serving an LDS mission and uh, it was, I wasn't watching TV and cartoons came back and binged watch a lot of things. And, and there was this Justice League stuff and I'm a you know, superhero guy, hence the fan of podcast. And I just, you know, it was one of those things that you watch every once in a while and then, and then it hits Netflix and I have kids and the kids are constantly streaming different things. And that, so I, I got most of it through my kids and through not original airing, but this is one of those episodes that gets played on a regular basis in my home in the holiday season. We, in, in, in our home, we are, we are the kind that you do not start doing anything Christmas until after Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving, all the books come out, all the Christmas specials come out, all the music all the time is Christmas music. And it's enough to send to some people running and screaming. And so this is (laughs) one of those staples in our home. Do you mind sharing any of your other Christmas special staples or Christmas movie staples? Um, so my wife watches a lot of the Hallmark ones, but obviously you've got Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, Frosty, the snowman. Uh, it's like the return of Frosty, the snowman or something like something like Frosty returns, Frosty returns with the heat miser. So yeah, it's a, there's, I mean, there's, there's those classics and then you got the newer ones. There's the, there's the Batman one, the Batman animated series one where, where Joker Joker hijacks the. Yes, with the Joker, and um, there's the uh, the community has a really fun holiday special where they all become a. Uh, I'm, I want to say claymation just to make my co-host mad. <laughs> stop! Um, stop motion animated. <laughs> yes, yes, the stop motion animation, uh, and it's a. Uh, I, I I don't know. There's there's just a lot of really. I mean, you throw a stone and you get a you get a Christmas special from every everything i mean there's obviously the doctor who christmas specials uh that they all shove christmas in there somehow it's not always christmas there's, focused there's but. iron man 3 oh of course of course uh die hard die hard gremlins no yes good good yeah, selections yeah. there <laughs> uh so uh for me the justice league series 
it's obviously um you know part of the lineage of batman the animated series and superman the animated series and i definitely watched batman the animated series while it was airing very regularly Um, yes i vividly remember actually uh like after school we weren't allowed to watch tv in my house uh, very much after school when i was a kid unless we were helping my parents by watching one of the younger baby siblings uh then we could have a show on and so i'd go in and wake up my younger sister kate (laughs) from her nap at the half hour when Batman the animated series was about to start. Like I just go in and shake her in her grip and then say, mom, Kate's up. And, uh, and then go turn on the TV and watch Batman the animated series while she just, you know, sat on the ground in front of me. <laughs> uh, but justice league, I kind of missed the window for watching it was there. And when it was airing. Um, but I remember Andrew, you watched this, didn't you producer Andrew? I, yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, it was, it was a couple years after Batman and Superman, I think. Um, and it was when, when Cartoon Network started to get into the, the basic cable package that we had at home. Um, and so it was a staple of early Cartoon Network for me. So because uh, that's kind of how was, I took it. Yeah, because Andrew was watching it. I was kind of aware with it, but this was coming on when I was in college. Uh, and, and so I, was, I, I just didn't follow it as closely. I have seen many of the episodes, but I had not seen this one at all um, until you had suggested it for this podcast. And actually, I think, Andrew, when we were talking about what Christmas stuff to, ta- to cover this year, you had mentioned this episode. And I think last mm-hmm. year, a couple of people had mentioned it when we were talking about what we might tackle. So I was like, okay, we should probably do this one that I've never seen, but people keep keep mentioning and uh i i thoroughly enjoyed and it. it's it's um it's actually an anomaly for this justice league series because they were mostly two-parters which was unusual for me they like You're aired them in half hour <laughs> yeah well um it's so this is you know an unusual single 30 minute well 22 minute episode in what was usually uh an hour-long block of justice league episodes where very often they would break them across weeks and then if you got it on the right week, you'd get to watch them back to back. But sometimes you would see half of it and then you'd have to wait a week for the to be continued. Yes. The uh, life of kids without streaming and binging. And it was so yeah. hard. My, my so children hard. do not understand this world when I talk about but this. Your kids probably don't understand the half hour clock either. I mean, I, <laughs> I lived and died by that thing. Yes. Yeah. I knew when it was 3.30. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. And, and yeah, so I, like like Andrew just said, this one is in fact the only standalone episode of the Justice League series. Every single I think other they episode had is either three two seasons? or three. Uh, two seasons of this, and then three seasons of Justice League Unlimited, which Justice League Unlimited okay. had a different sequence going. But for just usually the, th- those were thirty minute episodes. Yeah. For just the Justice League series, this is the only standalone episode. Um, so, uh, on to uh, some other trivia. Bruce Tim was a co-producer of Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series in the 1990s, and he became the executive producer of Justice League, and he kind of sets the tone and, uh, the, you know, the, the visual style of it, and there's definitely a shared aesthetic with those earlier animated series based on um, DC comic book characters. There's also some shared voice casting between these. Uh, Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series had aired on Fox and then the WB, and Justice League aired on the Cartoon Network from 2001 through 2004. And uh, after Justice League ended, which always had the same core cast, uh, the show was relaunched as Justice League Unlimited, which was a new series that still had the same kind of aesthetic and a lot of the same voice cast. But it ran for three seasons and it used a much larger, larger cast of DC Comics characters. This was bringing in lots of the B and C list uh, level superheroes that you would not expect to see um, on TV and certainly not to carry their own series. They were being kind of introduced to audiences through Justice League Unlimited. The core cast of the Justice League series was Batman, who was voiced by Kevin Conroy, and I have uh, something signed by him, and because because he is the voice of Batman that I hear in my head. Yeah, I mean um, the way the way you say that Batman was voiced by Kevin Conroy, it really is Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman. Yes. I mean that's yeah, I'd, I'd say a large a large swath of comic book readers when they read Batman, they hear Kevin Conroy. I, I and it's really cool that. because he doesn't look like he would be Batman, but he loves using the voice. So all of a sudden out of nowhere, if you're ever at a convention where he's at, you'll hear like him yelling out, I am darkness. I am the night. I am Batman. <laughs> it's really quite I had, amazing. 
I had my daughter when she was, I want to say six. She wanted to go as Batgirl to a Comic-Con. It was a pink, sparkly Batgirl costume. And we even added glitter to a Batman mask. We couldn't find a Batgirl mask and it turned it pink and sparkly. And this is the one where I met Kevin Conroy and got him to sign um, a Batman the Animated Series thing. And when he saw her, he just, he, he said, do you watch the show? And she's like, I've seen, I've seen Batman. And he immediately did the Batman voice and said, Batgirl, I need you in the Batcave. And she just, went, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> um, also in the cast here, we have Wonder Woman, who was voiced by Susan Eisenberg, Superman, who was voiced by George Newbern, uh, Green Lantern, who was voiced by Phil Lamar, Flash, who was voiced by Michael Rosenbaum, Martian Manhunter, who was voiced by Car- Carl Lumley. And Hawk Girl, who was voiced by Maria Canals. And those seven were kind of the core cast um, of the Justice League. So any, do you guys have any other uh, thoughts about Justice League, the, the anime series in general, before we jump into the specific Christmas episode? I think the Justice League, the animated series, uh, or however it's called, I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking more of Batman, the animated series. But Justice League is really where the current generation of DC fans really has picked up most of its uh most of its knowledge and love the lore and the lore in the dc universe um i think that the, if you talk to a bunch of 20 to 30 year olds right now you are going to get more people who know john stewart green lantern than hal mm-hmm. jordan green lantern simply because of this cartoon yeah like a lot of people thought it was a, a big misstep when they made the green lantern movie that nobody really talks about anymore um, when they went with um, uh, Hal Jordan instead of playing, yeah, Hal, Hal, Jordan. Hal Jordan instead of going straight to John Stewart, they could have had you know the first black superhero in in you know a major Hollywood movie. No, no offense to Blade um, or Steel, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know they could have really stepped up and said you know Warner Brothers DC movies, let's put forth this step and and do. John Stewart instead of Hal Jordan. And, you know, people just didn't really want Hal Jordan. The, yeah, well, the fans that they needed wanted John Stewart because well, that's who they know. Well, they're, they're like, well, Green Lantern's black. That's that's what they knew. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of uh, back in Green Lantern, the film, I think it was like 2010, 2011 time period. And the studios were still struggling. There was an email around that time period from the Marvel execs saying, Look, all of the female-led superhero movies have bombed. We're not doing a female super superhero movie, and yeah. Uh, so I think it was a it was a time period where the studio executives hadn't quite flushed out and heard from the fans what they wanted in a superhero movie, and we're starting to get more of that. Yeah, now, and DC's still taking... struggling with that. <laughs> yes, yes. Although I hear great things about Aquaman, and it might just be um, Jason Momoa though. I was gonna say. <laughs> that um like with that green lantern adaptation or or putting them on on screen for comic book fans those who read the comics like hal jordan is their green lantern and there would be an outcry from that but for hollywood blockbusters it's a much larger audience they're trying to reach than those hardcore comic book fans and yeah the larger audience was more familiar with this justice league animated series my um my oldest sister uh her 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 children had watched justice league and when Ryan Reynolds was cast as Green Lantern and she grew up in a house with comic book information everywhere because me and my brothers, you know, read comics all the time. So it's not like she was unfamiliar with superheroes and comic books, but she said, isn't Green Lantern black? Like just in her mind, Green Lantern was Jon Stewart. The uh, And in DC Comics, um, Jon Stewart is a Green Lantern. He's just not the first Green Lantern from the Silver Age um, uh, of comic books, who was, who was Hal Jordan. It's when Hal Jordan is off doing something else that Jon Stewart gets the ring of the Green Lantern and becomes um, Green Lantern for a while. So there's multiple Green Lanterns in DC Comics for this uh, Justice League animated series to help with diversity. So it wasn't just a team of seven white superheroes. Uh, they used the Jon Stewart <laughs> version of Green Lantern, and he became the version of Green Lantern that this whole generation of of children um, thought of. Uh, you know, not the generation who had seen Super Friends or had read the comic books. Mm-hmm. And and part of that is, you know, they didn't talk about Hal Jordan much. And f- for the series, they not only you know said let's use this version of Green Lantern. They didn't they didn't talk about the others, and they really made John Stewart like the er Green Lantern for the universe. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on Justice League? It's a pretty good show. Like, I recommend people watch it. There are enough things in there for adults that you can watch it as an adult 
like we'll, we'll talk about one of the things in this episode that I noticed that I was like, oh, that is not for kids there. And <laughs> is this uh, on the, but, the planet the hot girl visits. <clears throat> yeah, there. Yeah, pretty much that entire that entire story uh, seems to be an allegory for something. But we can talk about that in a little bit. But the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the uh, but I, I think that I think that there's enough for the adults, but it's entertaining enough for. I'd probably say maybe a you probably wouldn't want to start your kids before five watching yeah, this. Yeah, I would say five's probably the lower threshold for the most part. I mean, if they're if they're like one or two, they'll still see bright colors and, and be mildly entertained. But, but like there's enough talking two, that two to five. You, yeah, two to five, you're probably gonna get a dead space, but then after five, they'll get into the action and and probably enjoy it pretty well. Um mm-hmm. But overall, I think they did have a really good balance of knowing if these are kids that grew up, you know, into their teenage years watching Batman and Superman. It's like they're 14, 15. We, we can like throw in a little bit more um, implication and, and I don't want to say innuendo, but nearly innuendo. Uh, it's, it's um, pretty much there. You know, about about more adult relationships. It's still vague enough that it'll go over the head of a of a 10 or 11 or 12 year old. And most parents will um, say, oh, that's fine. Yeah. You know, they're not they're not explicit about anything questionable. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, before we jump into this episode, we want to thank you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. And we especially like to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to special quick casts, which will be coming out more regularly. We had a little hiccup in getting those out monthly when Todd left, but they're coming back. Uh, and in the quick casts, we break down newly released films, trailers, or TV shows that we've been uh, watching or new books that we've been reading. And we also give monthly updates on our fantasy box office all patrons who support us with five dollars per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss in a regular episode of the protagonist podcast so now we will jump into the full synopsis of um what's the name of the episode comfort and joy that was the actual name of the episode (laughs) i was about to say justice league but i wanted a little more specificity So um, just so the listeners know, this is an episode where there are several separate storylines that don't actually tie together. Um, It's not like they all interweave and and then come together at the end, Uh, but they are split up and cross cut in the editing. For clarity, I'm going to tell each character's story as kind of self-contained, but imagine if you're watching the episode that these are all happening simultaneously and we're seeing them intercut with each other. And I mentioned the full um, cast that was the regular cast of Justice League. Batman and Wonder Woman, however, don't appear in this episode. So um, just in case anyone's unfamiliar, we're going to have Superman, who is a flying alien from Krypton. Flash, who's a super fast guy. Hawk Girl, who is a warrior alien from a planet called Thanagar with wings growing out of her back and she can fly. We have Green Lantern, and this is the John Stewart version of Green Lantern, as we mentioned earlier. And Green Lantern is part of an intergalactic police force, and they all have power rings that can generate energy in the shape of anything they think of. And then we also have Martian Manhunter, who is a green Martian who can shapeshift, change its density, and he is also a telepath. And he is the last of his species. And that's like two out of seven are the last of their species <laughs> on the Justice League. <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess Hawkgirl, there's still a planet full of her people, but she can't return. So she's also an outcast. So like, we're really starting to lean into some themes here <laughs> with, with Justice League. This episode begins with the heroes saving two planets uh, before they comment about how they're looking forward to the holidays. But Martian Manhunter and Hawkgirl aren't super familiar with Earth traditions, so the holiday season doesn't mean as much to them. It is, in fact, Christmas Eve, and Green Lantern likes the snow-covered planet that they just saved, and he and Hawkgirl decide to stay on it. And he tries to flirt with her and show Hawkgirl how much fun snowboarding is, and she just kind of says, well... You can fly through space. So why does sliding on a hill of snow (laughs) seem exciting? And how making snow angels is great. And she has wings. So she's, again, a bit unimpressed. And having a snowball fight is fun. But she prefers actual battle. So she asks if she can take him where she likes to go celebrate. And they go to an alien bar and think Moss Eisley Cantina. uh, And she starts a massive brawl. (laughs) And there's just a giant bar fight. And she is so happy to be there having this fight. 
then we are going to see Flash's story. Flash has a Christmas tradition of going to the Central City Orphanage. The kids are excitedly waiting for him. When he gets there, he asks if there's anything they want, and they show him a commercial for a toy called DJ Rubber Ducky, which does a sort of hip-hop dance while sort of rapping and definitely making fart noises. And the worker at the <laughs> orphanage explains that DJ Rubber Ducky... <laughs> what was that? I, I think they're called poopy sounds, according to Flash. Yes, yes. Uh, the work of the orphanage explains that DJ Rubber Ducky is sold out everywhere. This is the toy of this holiday season. It's the Tickle Me Elmo of 2003, I think is when this episode came out. Uh, and they just can't get it for the orphans. Um, challenge accepted. Flash runs around to toy stores, uh, but they are indeed all sold out. So he decides, I'm just going to run to Japan where they make these. And he gets one. And he's running back to the orphanage with a DJ rubber ducky when he sees a museum being attacked by the Ultra Humanite. Now, a note about the Ultra Humanite. This is not one of the iconic DC supervillains. <laughs> not your Joker level or Lex Luthor level bad guy. Uh, Ultra Humanite is a super intelligent scientist who is obsessed with the greatest artistic achievements in human history. And... He also transplanted his brain into the body of an albino gorilla. Uh, So he is attacking this museum uh, because it is displaying modern art and modern art is crap. According to the ultra humanite, (laughs) he appreciates (laughs) the classics. So flash tries to stop him from attacking the museum. And in the fight, DJ rubber ducky gets broken. He gets smashed. And while Flash is giving a monologue about what that toy would mean to the orphan children, Ultra Humanite knocks him unconscious. Then Flash wakes up at a workshop where the Ultra Humanite is repairing the DJ Rubber Ducky toy for the children. He wants a truce with Flash, and he says he only knocked Flash out because Flash hit him first. Uh, Flash is worried, because Ultra Humanite is a bad guy, that this toy might, you know, explode or be a bomb or something. But the Ultra Humanite assures him it is completely safe, though he has made improvements to it. Ultra Humanite helps Flash deliver this toy to the orphanage. But instead of flatulence, it now plays Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Ballet score with a narration of the story provided by the Ultra Humanite. <laughs> to be fair, he wanted, first. He, wanted to ex- he wanted to expose the children to good, good culture. So Superman, uh, now we're jumping over to the Superman story. He insists that Martian Manhunter comes to spend Christmas on the Kent farm. Uh, He is very welcomed. The Kents are very good at welcoming alien lone survivors of their planets. (laughs) However, uh, Martian Manhunter does not feel feel at home, even though he is welcomed there. And on Christmas Eve, he goes and kind of wanders around Smallville, and he enjoys the friendly spirit that he sees on display telepathically he can't help but overhear a young girl like desperately wishing to know if santa is going to come that night and eat any of the cookies that she has left out and she's asleep in the he sees like he hears her voice because she's just wishing so so loudly (laughs) and he like can't turn off his telepathy and he looks around and he sees her on the top story of this house so he flies up and tromps around on the roof right above her ceiling (laughs) so that she hears footsteps on the roof. And then because he's a shapeshifter, he stretches his arm down through the chimney and steals uh, one of the cookies, which is an Oreo, which Martian Manhunter loves Oreos. That is his favorite earth treat. Uh, And he takes that. And then he also stops by a church where he hears Christmas carols being sung. And then we're going to jump down to Christmas morning uh, where we're going to see John Stewart and Hot Girl asleep at that bar with the unconscious bodies of aliens all around. And Hot Girl gives Green Lantern a kiss on the cheek. And Ultra Humanite willingly gives himself up to authorities, but discovers that the Flash has put a small Christmas tree in his jail cell. And he is moved because this little Christmas tree is actually just like the small one that was in his house when he was growing up. And Superman wakes up and he jumps out of bed like an excited child because it's Christmas morning. (laughs) And he starts to run downstairs, but he stops in the hall because he sees his parents standing um, outside of Martian Manhunter's room. And they are listening to Martian Manhunter singing a song in his room in his native Martian tongue. And it is, I thought they did a really good job of making this kind of otherworldly sound to the song, but Mm -hmm. also something that was kind of intriguingly pleasant to be listening to. Yeah. And, And that is the end of Comfort and Joy. That was an excellent summary. Thank you, Brandon. Did you, in this episode, do you have a favorite of these different storylines? I think my favorite of the storylines is probably the, uh, the Clark Kent and Martian Manhunter scene. Uh, I agree. It, I disagree. What? But carry on. Really, Joseph? (laughs) 
no, no, okay. explain, explain. So here's the reason why that's my favorite is Superman is one of my favorite superheroes. And I can't say why, because most of the people who write for Superman are terrible. Although, uh, they're doing a really good action comics run right now with, um, with Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis writing. Yes. It, right? Yes. So issue number five just came out or is coming out or has come out a long time ago, depending on when this episode comes out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's a, they're doing a good job with that, but Superman and Clark Kent are two different people. And most writers mm-hmm. don't figure that out. Uh, the, the one of the biggest problems that I had with with Man of Steel was that it, they were it was the same person no matter which which persona he was portraying. Mm-hmm. There's there's no mask. Yes, where you know in in the Superman movie, you would see uh, Christopher Reeves go from being Superman to putting on glasses and physically making himself carry different and become it's Clark Kent. it's so fantastic when you see him do it. Yeah, because I mean, here here's the thing in this cartoon: you've got Superman who just saved worlds from smashing together, and yet he can't be patient enough to to <laughs> figure out what's in his presence when he opens them. He has to try mm-hmm. to to uh, peek at them using his X-ray vision, and Santa but, has but Santa hard. wraps him with lead paper. Yes, yes, so that he can't do that. And so, I mean, that right there is w- probably what made it my favorite. But then also the whole Martian Manhunter arc where holidays are about family. And here you've got Clark Kent and uh, Ma and Pa Kent who are the, I mean, yes, he's, he's, uh, he's an alien, but he was raised by them for all intents and purposes. Those are his parents and they're, they're a family and Martian Manhunter is the last of his last of his kind. And a lot of his journey is like, I'm just not feeling this Christmas thing because I just, I, I just don't get it. I don't have the family surrounding me. And so it's just, you, you get the fun, goofy parts of Superman trying to peek at his presence and the deep, <laughs> the deep thought parts of uh Martian Manhunter trying to figure out what this whole Christmas thing is about. And actually this is the first time that he ever became a, took human form in the justice league cartoons to walk around smallville and finally landing on landing on the on the church with the with the carols and having music be such a big part of the holiday for him and you know it shows that there you can enjoy christmas and have loss and longing for family at the same time it's just it's really there's there's a lot of nuance and layers to that story which is why i like that one i i really agree with everything that you said, Brandon, this, this is the section. Like when I think of this episode, I almost exclusively think about this segment of it. Um, and you know, the way that Superman is trying to share Christmas, you know, a holiday that he enjoys and family and love and belonging with somebody who like him doesn't have, you know, his home world. Um, and the major difference is that Superman, you know, lost Krypton when he was an infant and, and Martian Manhunter, you know, was an adult. He had, he had a wife and kids and a, and a family and he lost all of that on Mars, but they really, I mean, one Paul Dini, I think is, is maybe the best writer of Superman that I can think of. Yes. Um, you know, with Superman, the animated series and, and through justice league, because he really puts forth the, the innocence without being naive that Superman and Clark Kent have where like there's a moment where his parents say that they wrapped the presents in lead and he corrects them. He's like, you mean Santa wrapped them in lead? Like almost like does Clark Kent. <laughs> I mean, if anybody not... could check that out, he'd be like, are we neighbors? I, I think we're neighbors. Um... Yeah. Like, and it's like, it's like, but Clark is so full of that, like juvenile innocence about things like Christmas. And it's so charming and disarming and, and, it's so wonderful to see a Superman that has that. Yeah. That line almost ruined it with my 10 year old though. Uh, Superman <laughs> saved it for Superman saved the day, but my 10 year old is just on that cusp of, of, of not believing us anymore. 
And he said, we I've used to wrap his presents. I've got to say, I, I think we've noted this in previous uh, Christmas episodes of Protagonist Podcast. The doubt about Santa is introduced in so many holiday films that it's like, this isn't coming from other kids at school. This is coming from <laughs> the Santa Claus. From the media. And Elf. And, and Justice League. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's like a theme is, do kids believe in Santa? Like I even uh, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, my four-year-old was watching that. And one of the stories is about Max asking, how could Santa do it? <laughs> yeah, the challenge. Yes, uh, yeah. How, uh, you know, it's, no, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, doubt is, uh, it, it's just interesting to me that it's such a prevalent part of children's Christmas media. Um, but yeah, you know, you get that that wonderful taste of Superman just being so darn good. And and so darn wholesome and loving Christmas and wanting to share that with somebody that he cares about. You know, it, it's his friend. And then you get like the contrast of is like, yeah, but it isn't the same for everybody. And so Martian Manhunter still has to kind of figure out his own sense of it. You know, it's not enough that someone wants to share it with you. You have to get your own sense of it. And he ultimately does because he is looking for it and he, and he you know, finds it. Well, um, throughout the throughout the night. And I think it gives you a good template on if you're that person who loves Christmas and invites people over to be part of your Christmas because you love it so much and they're just not quite gelling with it. You don't just keep shoving more of it in their face. You, you give them some space, give them some space. And, y- you know, when you hear them singing a song, you don't barge in and say, oh, that was wonderful. You just you appreciate it. And, Mm -hmm. and you don't, you don't become overbearing. I just, I think it's a really good, it's got a lot of good lessons for adults, kids, and, you know, and whoever you are, wherever you fit in that spectrum. And it really, it has that kind of perfect balance of joy, but also like a melancholy that comes with Christmas because Christmas is at the end of the year, it has to have a a tension of joy and sadness. Mm -hmm. Well, and also, um, like, we, we just culturally, we we build so much into this time of year, and it will never be what it was. <laughs> like the nostalgia, the nostalgia can never actually pay off. Uh, you know, you know, for Christmas, you can be making great new memories, but there's something different, you know, every year than what came before. And we all, I think, there's there's this kind of yearning for for what it was. Um, I it, regarding that, I do have to say, I think my one of my favorite individual moments of the episode was um, Clark Kent jumping out of bed on Christmas morning, just <laughs> leaping out so excited and running out like, into the hallway. You, and you just don't get that in most of the Superman movies where there's this sort of energy, like there's a positive energy to Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like that. I, to, to shore up your point there about how Christmas is never what you remembered. It does change though. Cause I remember as a kid, my my parents would always give us socks and those were always the presents that were like, oh, okay, here's our annual sock present. And and then <laughs> this year, or not this year, a couple years ago, my kids bought me a pair of socks and I was thrilled because I needed socks. And, you know, as an adult, I was like, awesome, this is a great gift. I need this. And, and now I've got it. And then also on top of that, the r- reminder of being a kid and getting socks for Christmas. I mean, mm-hmm. As, as you grow and change, it's okay to grow and change. Things don't have to stay the exact same as they were. Yes, absolutely. I like that. Uh, my favorite storyline in this episode is the Flash and Ultra Humanite story. That was that was going to be my guess. Was <laughs> if if Joseph doesn't love Superman and Martian Manhunter as the ultimate Christmas story, then it's going to be the Flash. Yeah, and, and I I think um, there's like throughout the Martian Manhunter one, there's more um, like meditation on what Christmas means. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, st- I do think the ultra humanite one lands a bit with the Christmas tree at the end of saying like, Oh, there's something a little bit more like some of this could just be, Oh, you know, a Scrooge learning to love Christmas. Uh, but it's, it's got its own angle um, in mm-hmm. the form of this albino gorilla scientist slash <laughs> art lover who as soon as he hears this toy was for children he says well okay truce and i'm gonna make it better <laughs> and because uh, because ultra humanite you know he's attacking something because he think it's it's not worthwhile it's not to hurt people it's because he thinks he's helping people because humans can and have done better than this and he wants to inspire the best 
Uh, and, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he doesn't want the children to be inspired by DJ Rubber Ducky, uh, you know, with his, his poopy sounds. Uh, <laughs> he, he wants uh, a ballet that he will narrate uh, what would be happening. Uh, you know, the storyline of the Nutcracker uh, while the score is playing in the background. They, it was not him, but this is the kind of voice work that I could totally see Kelsey Grammer. Uh, That's what I was picturing. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, at a certain point, Ultra Humanite in this cartoon that was probably targeting, you know, the, the six to 12 year old demographic used the word jejun. And the only other place I know I've heard that word used was <laughs> Frazier dropping it. And the whole point was Frazier being elitist. And that's why he would drop the word jejun. I, I have no doubt that the writers for Justice League were aware of Frazier. And when they, because Ultra Humanite is in a handful of episodes, he, he is one of their more frequently grabbed third tier villains. Um, and I think they may have modeled him after Kelsey Grammer in, in Frasier. Now, I now I mean, it's it, not for me because I obviously have a firm understanding what jejun is, but for maybe those listeners who aren't, how would you guys describe that word? Uh, it's like uh, trite and uh, a little kitschy and like, but you know, below the upper class. See, that's exactly how I would have described it. Just. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think the Flash and Ultra Humanite pairing for that is uh, a pretty good choice um, because Ultra Humanite has been shown to be relatively sympathetic as far as their villains go. Um, now, do they you know, in it, the Justice League do they do that whole storyline of his comic book origin of a scientist who? No, he brain? just shows up one time. He's he's like um, he's uh, cell neighbors with Lex Luthor, and they both break out and 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 then, um, there's no explanation of him. I don't think so, but he's watching opera. And and then um, he gets a bunch of money and he gives a grant to PBS so that they could play more opera. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's kind of his that's his that's his trend. And then the Flash throughout the series is always shown to have a lot of humanity and depth of humanity and relationship with his villains. Um, so if anybody was going to have a decent truce for Christmas, it's those two characters that they've had in the series. Um, I, I was going to say in, in comic book history, ultra humanite is sometimes called the first supervillain that ever appeared. He comes from the golden age action comics, uh, run with, with Superman. Um, but he's been picked up and used differently in, in different eras. Um, and kind of, as soon as Lex Luthor was introduced, they kind of went with Lex Luthor instead of ultra humanite, uh, as the, <laughs> as one of the core villains there um so i was just i was not expecting to see ultra humanite in in this episode and i was just kind of charmed with how uh you know he he doesn't have traditional supervillain motivations he is not just a scrooge who or a grinch who hates christmas or hates people um or or even hates modern art (laughs) uh and uh there's this uh you know when he hears what flash is trying to do he says, well, I can be on board with that, but I'm going to make it better. I'm, I'm, I'm going to actually up your game. Uh, and uh, I, I, there's something also that was just very pleasing about when they give the DJ Rubber Ducky to the orphan children and it starts playing the music. And it's not what they wanted. You can see this look of disappointment. But at the same time, and I think this is a valid, this is not like a... Uh, the rose-colored glasses version of children, but they, they kind of get intrigued by the music because the Nutcracker Suite is something that is very pleasing. It's, it doesn't take mm-hmm. work to enjoy that music. It just is inherently kind of a pleasing tune. And so there's the moment of disappointment where it's not what they saw on the commercials, but then they kind of also say, but this this is kind of good music that, uh, that I'm hearing. And I think if they could have chosen other music that would have like felt less legitimate for children to kind of get intrigued by uh, naturally. See, I, th- I mm-hmm. think this vignette and- was here specifically for parents. I don't think there's a single thing inside this vignette that kids are going to relate with or understand or, or appreciate. Like as a parent, I completely think, yeah, you know, I love the Christmas classics that they're classics for a reason. And obviously kids are going to like them. And yes, you know, when I was a kid, I saw nut nutcracker every year and we, we did those things. And so that, you know, I, as a kid, yes, I, I watched it, but it, I don't know that I'd be super excited about it the way that those kids seemed to get into it. Yeah. Then maybe they get a little too enraptured by it. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the ducky was, was uh, pulsing a light. So maybe it was slightly hypnotic. I, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past ultra humanite. But the, and, but then also the whole part of him going from store to store, trying to get a sold out rubber ducky and actually having to go to 
to the factory and getting the last one in the world. Like parents, parents can get that. I can understand trying to find the things that their kids desperately want and having no success at them and dealing with the crazy people who are, who just want to mob the stores for it. Um, I, I remember when, uh, it was, it was just last year, fingerlings, they were a thing. And I had a friend who was at Walmart when they put out a pallet of them. He's like, Oh, this is the thing, huh? So he bought 10 of them. And he's like, well, I'm going to turn around and sell them on eBay. And he got called all sorts of monstrous names because, you know, they were like $10 toys or something like that. And he sold them for 50, but you know what? That paid for his entire, the entire Christmas for his kids. So, I mean, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the parents that are going to appreciate how, how that story arc played out is the parents that are going to laugh yeah, at jokes about modern art being ugly and the parents who are going to get why just a tiny little Christmas tree from his past would mean something to him. So I like when we, when we said that there's a lot in justice league that's there for the adults, this is one of those things that is there for the adults. Mm-hmm. So I will, I will also say though, and I agree, like I, I don't think my son was appreciating everything that I was getting out of it, but my four-year-old was in the room when I was watching this episode. And when he saw the Christmas tree in the jail cell for ultra humanite, he just started laughing and he said, he gets Christmas. <laughs> Okay. so he did it, it did still he land something some, but it's it, definitely but... not the depth of what what the story like yeah the the themes of this story feel much more uh targeted at uh the parent generation than the child generation mm-hmm. but i All think right, that's also true the... of the martian manhunter uh you yeah. know the ennui of not being quite sure what christmas needs uh i i think th- that one similarly is not really uh targeting the six-year-old demographic but but kids can definitely appreciate noises on the rooftop and stealing cookies. Yes. And it, my first thought of that when I saw the arm go down was it was her brother telling her that Santa wasn't real. And I want the brother to and the parents to be like, whoa, did you eat those cookies? I didn't eat those cookies. <laughs> maybe, maybe Santa is real. And, and just see, I, I would like I would like an after credit scene with them all confused and the girl being like, no, it was Santa. <laughs> Um, okay. What about Green Lantern and Hot Girl for this one? So this is the one that at the beginning you were saying had more, uh, innuendo. Yes. <laughs> shall we say? Yes. There, yeah. there's a whole, there's a whole arc there that is runs parallel to, uh, a grown up bedroom scene. And I got told this one time and you can never unsee it. And so I'm ruining it for everybody else out there. Uh, <laughs> there, it, it parallels a, a romantic bedroom scene with the two of them in this, where they go from a, uh, a, a you know, a little bit more fun and playful to a little bit more serious. And then they literally wake up next to each other. Yeah. Like, okay. The, the, the scene that you see, so you know, this isn't really like explicit for children. It is <laughs> in this bar where, uh, all these alien bodies are like, cause it's supposed to be the aftermath of this fight, but green lantern and uh hot girl are very much cuddled up against each other. While most people look unconscious, it looks like they're just asleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and they're unconscious, like with their, their limbs flailed in weird directions. And the, and hot girl is cuddled up against green lantern and she wakes up and gives him a kiss on the cheek. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, there, there's some parallels there that I, I don't necessarily want to have my voice recorded on the internet saying, but you, you can draw <laughs> those conclusions there yourself. Um, also, the. Yeah, which is, which has more to do with um, kind of the long arc of their relationship throughout the yes. series. Um, kind of like reaching a culmination. Because this is the, this is one of the last episodes before it becomes Justice Unlimited. Uh, yeah, I think there's probably this and then um, I think very little before they do kind this. of a, yeah, like a three part finale. Um, and then, you know, they've kind of built up to them having a closeness and tenderness and relationship without ever saying that they have Except, a relationship. I don't know if it's in this one or unlimited. They have a son together. Uh, um, there's a there's a flash flash forward, which I think is in unlimited, okay. but I'm not sure yeah, either. So th- um, and then in unlimited, I mean, I think the creators of the show are kind of pacing out and it's like, okay, by the time they're watching justice league unlimited, they're like 16, 17, 18, we can say some more stuff. Yeah. So they, they do a flash forward and they have 
Warhawk and he sees Green Lantern in this when he jumps time. He's like, Dad? And he's like, oh, if you're my dad, who's your mom? And he, he's got big wings sprouted yeah. out of his back. He's like, I think it's pretty think, obvious. I think that's in Justice League Unlimited because they also had to deal with like a love triangle. Yes, yes. because the victim. And so it was like, oh, you're my son, but we're not together right now. So am I going to break up with the person I'm currently with? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. And there's the part where uh, Hot Girl says only one thing can make this better, and he's leaning in for a kiss, and that's when she starts <laughs> the fight. So I mean, yes. it, it, it's subtle, but not too subtle. There, that there's some serious romantic undertones going on. Yeah, um, but that's about as romantic as their relationship is throughout the entire Justice League run. Yes. Um, another thing I liked about this one is that you actually see John Stewart being creative with his constructs he's because uh, he's he's a military man and he's usually like big guns and walls and hammers and stuff like that so with the green lantern ring it could make anything that you imagine and but his go-to is more militaristic right yes, yes. yeah um and and maybe industrial jack hammers um that sort of yeah, stuff so when, when he's using in the snowball fight you know his his army of hands that pop up that's that's kind of unlike him. He was more likely to build a Gatling gun that's fueled by, by uh, snowballs. So I don't know that that was something that popped out to me in this one as well. Um, and then, I mean, there's the, there's a not so obvious parallel to, Hey, this is basically like, okay, for people who don't celebrate break Christmas, that's fine too. You can go do your own thing. You don't have to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, Do your, do your not Christmas winter festival enjoyment fun time stuff yeah yep that's that's that was another vibe that i got out of this one but when somebody ruined it for me with the uh, parallels i you just can't unsee those things <laughs> um i i liked the uh beginning when he's trying to impress her and he can't <laughs> like well also, he's trying to impress her and he's also trying to make her like the things he likes which uh is not the best method of interacting just in general <laughs> like people can like what they like it might not be what you like and he's trying very hard to make her enjoy the same activities that he enjoys and she's kind of like this like like snow angels i literally have wings <laughs> like this. weirdly i feel like that that first part where he's trying to get her to enjoy you know snowboarding and snowball fights um and snow angels is kind of the most hallmark part of yes. this yeah, well, it, you you see that that parallel in a lot of Hallmark movies where there's like the Christmas curmudgeon and then there's the Christmas lover. And they're like, well, you've got to love hot chocolate. Well, you got to love the trees. You got to love the cookies. And they're just like, no, it doesn't do it for me. Nah, I don't like it. It's like if you watch like four Hallmark movies, you'll see that three times. I was going to say that um, it also reminded me uh, in Groundhog Day when Bill Murray's trying to um, – flirt with uh the andy mcdowell character with rita <laughs> and like you, you see it repeated and he's getting more desperate he's trying the same thing but just a little bit more uh you know, on each one but uh but it, it you know he he can't make it work and he's he's trying to flirt with her and he's trying to impress her and he's trying to make her have a good time with these things and she's like i've got something else that i like more can i show that to you uh and she's uh but then she's also kind of pushes her interest on him because she starts the bar fight without his permission <laughs> and she makes him get sucker punched as the first move in the bar fight. Like she hits someone with her mace and then hands the mace to John Stewart. And he's like, why did you give this to me? And he looks up an alien and is punching him. Uh, so, so maybe they could both work on their communication a little bit more. Consent mm-hmm. is key. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, guys, any final thoughts on, uh, Justice League. Uh, oh, I, one one thing that I that did just jump out to me: the comfort and joy um, when Martian Manhunter is hearing the hymn. Uh, what do you remember? What the lyrics were? I can't remember exactly which hymn it was, but they were singing something about peace. It might have been peace on Earth, but I can't remember exactly what the There's lyrics. A lot were. of Christmas music. Do you guys remember? Have, is it? Was yeah. it Silent Night then? Or no, I, but it was something with Joyce peace, and then it cross cut to the bar fight, and I just enjoyed that. <laughs> that cross like it was a very deliberate editing decision to go from this kind of um more internal and intellectual 
meditation on Christmas and listening to this music with this alien standing outside of the church and, and listening to those words. And then you're cutting to John Stewart and hot girl having this bar fight with all these aliens on another planet. Uh, it, it was one of my favorite um, intersections of the, of these two uh, or well, of these three stories that they, they were telling. They, they, they often do little clever, little clever things like that. Like, like I said, it's as much for the adults as it is, as it is for the kids. All right. I, 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 uh, like I said, I had not seen this one and I really quite enjoyed it as a Christmas episode. And despite Brandon's efforts to make us think of, of, you know, all the, the, the subtext, I think it definitely works. Like I, there was no discomfort in watching this with my four-year-old, uh, in the room. Uh, and, and it definitely works as like, a, just a fun Christmas episode and i think blending something like the superhero genre and the christmas you know like there is a holiday genre but you know the beats we expect in a christmas story and there's the superhero genre the beats we expect in those and to blend those i think can result in something really good but at the same time when you do genre blending it's kind of like playing with fire like it's either gonna be really good or it's gonna be worse than either of those two things separate (laughs) and for me this was one that kind of worked well in blending and kind of gave me a different flavor to both the superhero story and a Christmas story. And again, I know there's plenty of bad Christmas superhero comic books that have been made <laughs> through the years where, they, where they're not able to land that genre mash or other genre mashes besides superheroes um, and Christmas. I want um, that to be one of your I, Hallmark I, I movies this year. A, a, a blend of superhero and Christmas. I'll have to see what titles Andrew sends Todd and I for our Christmas special, which should be dropping uh, if our current schedule holds the week after this, this episode drops. I'm excited. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to duelinggenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to go check out episode number 102, when we talked about Hero Bear and the Kid, or episode number 49, when we talked about Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod or at Jay Dorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at DizMinute. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. Brandon, where could people find you online? The best place to get all of our shows is at fandompodcast.com. Uh, if you go to fandompodcast.com slash protagonist, there is a link to all the episodes where you guys have been on. And so if, if you guys, if you like these guys, you can jump into our show by listening to the episodes that they've been on. And, uh, we have a fun Facebook group where fun little things get shared in their fandompodcast.com slash group. We'll take you to the fandom maniacs group. So it's, it's a, it's a good little community. You really landed on a good name for your group, the fandom maniacs. Oh, it was not us at all. It was, <laughs> it was one of the fandom maniacs who came up with it. We, we, at some point, tried to come up with a name for listeners of the Protagonist Podcast, and, and it just didn't happen. <laughs> we, we couldn't come up with anything at all. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you again, listeners. And if you would like to support our show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thank you again for listening, and we will be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. Farewell. All right, I got to pause for a second. A a small child just appeared in this room. Hold on. (laughs) Yes, Kit. Uh, I'm talking about Justice League. You can watch this episode tomorrow, but you got to get in bed, bud. It's for the podcast. I'm recording right now, so (laughs) I need you to go out and go to bed. This has never happened to me before. (laughs) You like Star Wars music?